smart, pointed, and insightful. This is Stacy on the Right. Welcome. Hi. <laughs> We're back and we have a grand show planned for you today. Um, I want to give a special shout out to everyone who actually enjoyed the big tankalicious display from the president last week on July 4th weekend. And uh, we just had a fantastic time. In addition to that, our friend of ours celebrated her 60th birthday. We went over there and we danced and yucked it up and there were babies and there was a like a whole pig barbecued on coals. It was just like everything was unbelievable music and then a huge fireworks display. And then we spent the rest of the weekend just resting. And I was kind of like this new thing with the show, doing it this way. I'm still trying to get used to that. We we made it to church. We did we did a bunch of stuff, um, but it was great. I got a little bit of rest and I worked out a ton. I mean, I I just was. I'm I'm trying to do something here, people. So, welcome to the show. We have grand, grand, fantastic just lineup of topics. We're going to talk about Jeffrey Epstein. Obviously, this is. Um, this is a story that's not new, actually. It has something to do with Mike Cernovich. If you know who I'm talking about, Mike Cernovich, he's on Twitter and he's written a book and he has a fantastically popular blog. And so he's been one who, um, he wouldn't let this go. And so a couple years ago, he filed a lawsuit to force the opening of files that led to this new round of indictments for Jeffrey Epstein, Epstein, whatever. I know someone's going to correct me uh, on, on one of the, uh, the live streams of the site. If you're new to the podcast, I'm Stacey Washington, host of Stacey on the Right, righteously American, enjoying everything about this new digital platform and the ability to still be with you. Um, that that guys stick stick that in your pipe and smoke it. Okay, we we are still here. I'm still super glad to be here. So I want to first launch into the encouragement, and then um, we're going to get to some more things. Linda Sarsour tweeting about Jesus Christ. Um, I actually have a serious problem with the stuff she keeps saying about him. Like, I wish she would just zip it. She doesn't have to talk about Jesus. She could just talk about stuff that Palestinians know about. Uh, yeah, because that's why we have the Bible. If we want to know stuff about Jesus, we can just go to the Bible. I Okay. We're also going to talk about Obama's DHS secretary, Jay Johnson. He actually is calling, sounding the alarm against the Democrats and their actions on the border and their rhetoric there. Uh, so we'll talk about that. And then Iran and their enrichment of uranium and how that's going on up in our faces and who set the stage for that. Yes, it's President Trump's responsibility now. It's his administration. It's their job to clamp down on it. But who put us in the place where we're right here? Um, so we'll talk about that a little bit. So today's encouragement is Romans nine seventeen through 18. And in that portion of the Bible, as you know, um, that is where Pharaoh is having his hard, his, his heart hardened um, and the reason that that's happening is, is, is what we're going to discuss today. So if you're anything like me, you might've thought when you first heard the story of Pharaoh having his heart hardened, you might've thought, um, so God hardened his heart to prepare him for the destruction that came, you know, afterwards Romans nine seventeen through 18 says for scripture says to Pharaoh, I raised you up for this very purpose that I might display my power in you and that my name might be proclaimed in all the earth. Therefore, God has mercy on whom he wants to have mercy and he hardens whom he wants to harden. So first off, I'm not actually a theological scholar and I don't want people to like argue with me about this because the, the thing that I want to discuss is not actually about whether or not it was a bad action on God's part to harden the heart of Pharaoh. Pharaoh's heart was already hardened. He was raised to believe that he was the God of the setting sun and that he literally could control things in time and space by his mind or by telling people what to do. So he had an incorrect view of himself. He was a pagan, obviously, and he expect human beings to worship him. And if they didn't, they could be killed. So uh, us arguing about whether or not God was mean to Pharaoh is kind of immaterial here. The The lesson that exists for us is a fantastic one. And that's what I want to get to. So the hardening of someone's heart, this doesn't just happen in, you know, the Bible and historically where hearts are hardened towards what God wants to happen. This is something that can happen to us like right here, right now. Like take the instance of your alarm clock going off in the morning when your alarm clock goes off. If you hit snooze, you know, repeatedly day after day after day, 
you are basically hardening your heart against what happens when you hear the alarm. The alarm is supposed to prompt you to, first of all, turn it off and then get up. That's why you set the alarm. But if you continually hit the snooze button or if you just ignore it, after a while, you become hardened to the sound of the alarm and you can actually sleep through it. Um, And I know, you know, I'm not the only one this has happened to where you set the alarm and you're so exhausted and you're used to turning it off or ignoring it that you sleep right through. And then the next thing you know, you're like an hour late for whatever, or you wake up at the time you're supposed to be there. And essentially, you've hardened yourself to the effects of the alarm. But that's not the only example that exists. And if you think about it for a second, this can happen with almost anything. So um, think about working out. You know you want to work out, let's say, three days a week or five days a week. And when it's time to work out, instead of going and working out, you start you know, checking email, check your phone. And before you know it, the time you allotted for the workout has elapsed. And now you have to go on and do your regular thing. You got to go to work. You got to do whatever. So you've hardened yourself against working out. So when it when you actually do want to work out, it becomes harder to do. Um, there's also, and just stick with me here, eating right. And these are all areas like if you're thinking, I'm naming off stuff and I'm raining on from high. If you're new to the show, that doesn't happen over here. I usually pick examples that are a problem for me. The problem for me, eating right. Um, when I choose not to eat a salad, when I know I, I haven't had my allotment of vegetables for the day, um, and instead I choose to eat a brownie, I'm hardening my heart against making the right decision in that area. So my heart can become hardened towards right decision-making in any area. And the key for us to take away from the story of God hardening Pharaoh's heart is that we don't want our hearts to be hardened against right decision-making. So the key is to choose God's way and refuse to allow our hearts to be hardened in disobedience because we're risking the danger of after your heart becomes hardened to it, it's, it's more difficult to actually complete the task well, to do the right thing to be obedient to God's word. And I thought this was so like, it it was like eye opening for me when I, I'd never seen it presented in this way. So I hope it's encouraging to you. Obviously, any place that we find ourselves in, because we're the sheep and uh, our father in heaven is the shepherd, Jesus is our shepherd. And when we find ourselves in a situation where we realize my heart is hardened to the truth, my heart is hardened to something that I should be doing. We need only cry out to the father and say, hey, can you help me out of this? I've gotten myself in the ditch again, but I need your help. And he is just and faithful. He will always deliver. He'll always rescue us. But the easier path is to be obedient and not harden our hearts. So you hear the alarm, shut it off, get up. You know you're supposed to work out at 7.30 or 9 or whatever you set for yourself or after work, just go do it. Um, it you know, you're supposed to eat right. You know you haven't had a salad all day. The choice on the menu is salad or that fantastic European style pizza, you pick the salad, you know, save the pizza for the weekend, whatever. That's how we can keep our hearts from being hardened. Um, Because none of us want to have the same end that Pharaoh had. (laughs) Because he was clearly and obviously outgunned. And he was still like, I'm the guy on the setting side and I'm not going blah, blah, blah. You know, so there it is. Um, So now I want to pivot over, and and that's the encouragement. I want to pivot over to Linda Sarsour. So it's been a while since I've talked about this chick here on the show. And she's annoying to me in a a lot of different ways. But specifically right now, she's discussing something that she's ill-equipped to opine about. And that is Jesus Christ. She's controversial in and of herself. She's an American citizen who chooses to wear the headscarf of oppression. And she's a Palestinian-American activist. And now on Twitter, she got into a big, you know, dust up with a bunch of actual Christians and Jewish people because she asserted that Jesus was actually a Palestinian. I know you guys are probably like putting your stuff down and, you know, taking off your earrings because you're ready to fight. But hold off a second because people already took her down. Um, She actually received a lot of blowback online on social media, and she decided to fall back. And she said there are actually multiple truths about Jesus. Now, first of all, that's not true either. The truth about Jesus Christ can be found in the Bible, period, or the Torah, period. If you want to know the true, like, who is Jesus, go there. She, the, in this claim that Jesus was a Palestinian is something that has been made over and over and over again by supporters of the Palestinian cause. And the reason they want to adopt Jesus into the Palestinian, uh, you know, his, history and lore is because politically it helps 
soften their claim. It helps, well, it strengthens their claim, but it softens the opposition against what they're trying to do. She tweeted out, Jesus was a Palestinian of Nazareth and is described in the Quran as being a brown copper skinned man with woolly hair. Now, I don't argue about what Jesus Christ looked like because I feel it's immaterial. His looks in his physical person, that was a temporary condition that he assumed so that he could identify with us as human beings and understand our plight. And he did so beautifully. And so the body that he chose to be born into and the family that he was born into and the way that they looked is immaterial to what he did when he died on the cross for our sins. So I choose not to deal in the minors. I want to deal in the major parts that matter to us. And that is he, because of him, we don't have to suffer our just reward for being sin-filled, depraved, and wicked individuals. Instead, we can assume the position of co-heirs with Christ, clothed in white. We are robed in righteousness, and we can approach the, th- the throne room of the Father with prayer and ask for anything that is his will and have it done for us because of the work of Jesus Christ. So if he had a fro, awesome. I can identify with that. If he had straight hair, fantastic, looks good. If he had the slightly curly hair or the ringlets, if his hair was blonde or if it was brown or jet black, all awesome. Those are good looks. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you. I don't really care what he looked like. That's an argument for people who who really, I guess you just don't have much else to do. So people were angry, incredulous, sarcastic, whatever. And a number of people pointed out that the Romans changed the name of the province of Judea to Palestine, specifically Syria, Palestinia, to punish the Jews after a failed rebellion. But this happened more than 130 years after Jesus was born. In other words, didn't change his lineage. We know that Jesus was Jewish because the Bible describes his lineage in detail. He was a Jew from Judea. Judea is actually, the word Jew means someone from Judea. That's what Jew means. Okay, so, you know, Linda Sarser has a lot more work to do. If she wants to convince anyone that Jesus was Palestinian, she has to change almost all of history and she has to change it from multiple different extractions, Jewish and Roman. And she, she can't get it done. She can't get, this is a woman who can't leave the house without a scarf on her head. She's not allowed because a man told her she has to wear that scarf on her head. So if she can't accomplish walking outside with her hair uncovered, how is she going to change the entire genealogy of Jesus Christ? I could in there, but just listen to a little bit more. The American Jewish Committee weighed in and responded. Their quote is mentions of Judea in the New Testament, 48 mentions of Palestine in the New Testament. So Judea is mentioned 48 times. Palestine is mentioned in the New Testament, zero. Palestine was only applied to the region by the Romans in 135 BC. And they told her to crack open a history book because it would blow her mind. Um, And a lot of other people had really catty kind of really actually awesome responses to her. My, my, My big thing with her is the only antidote to people who want to change history is to know the history. And if we're going to be effective advocates of Christianity and the truth and the American way and and everything that we believe in, righteously American, we have to know the truth ourselves. We have to be informed and we have to be able to rebut these kinds of scurrilous claims. It's just, it's, it's lunacy on a level that you, you kind of think to yourself, where does she come from? What, what, what possessed her to, to, yeah, she is driven by a desire to create something that has not yet existed, which is the nation state of Palestine in the modern era, recognized as such by superpowers such as the one she happens to be blessed with citizenship in. And, and I think it's worth pointing out, because you guys know I'm, I'm really huge on being appreciative of being an American citizen, being blessed to have been born here or to have been given citizenship here, that is a blessing. And when you do the kind of things that she's done, the the kind of talk that she regularly engages in where she maligns um, our, our, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, she maligns America, she maligns so many different things that she should be literally just so glad to be here. It's worth pointing out that she doesn't have to be here. If she thinks Palestine is such a fantastic place, she should go there, wherever that is, and become a citizen of that. Yes, I said it. She doesn't belong here. 
And the reason that I've said that before and I'm saying it again now is that she actually doesn't engage. Oh, this is so, come on. She doesn't engage in the American experience from the perspective of an American. She engages in it from the perspective of someone who is still a citizen of this fictional place, Palestine. And because of that, it makes her, hmm, it makes her kind of like our enemy. It, it puts her in a position where she's like fighting us, um, trying to bring a perspective into our view that really none of us are interested in. So as we're preparing to go to the break, I want to just point everybody to, if you're thinking about sharing the show, if someone says to you, um, I can't find Stacey on the right or I, you know, what, what happened? The most important thing to share is listen.stacyontheright.com. And the reason is because when you go there, you get the podcast and all of the show notes. Now the show notes are, um, the, the show notes have the links where you can click through and read the stories that I'm talking about. You can also um, like share those. So if you're just tuning in, I was kind of touching on Linda Sarsour and her ridiculous tweets about Jesus Christ and how he was Palestinian. We know that's not true. You have to deal in facts and the truth. Make sure that if you hear something like that, you quickly put it down. It's a lie and it should never be allowed to stand in your presence. All right, we'll be back with more after this. Keep it here. This is Just a Minute with Stacey Washington. Bet you didn't know that cheesy rice cauliflower you're eating for lunch is racist, but it is, according to Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. And yet another mind-blowing trip into the banalities of her intellect, AOC is found wandering through a community garden, lamenting the produce grown there because white colonialism or something. Yes, my friends, lurking amongst the flora, if there is cauliflower present, are the seeds of colonial environmentalism. Instead of encouraging blacks to grow veg they're familiar with, like yucca plants, oppressors offer cauliflower, which is white, which means it's bad. You got to admit that AOC has skills. This woman can twist a delicious vegetable into a symbol of dastardly colonial oppression. Of course, I'm already planning a colonial cauliflower mac and cheese for our next Sunday brunch at home. My family will love it. I'm Stacey Washington. Find out more at StaceyOnTheRight.com. Stacey on the Right is brought to you by the Ask Noah Show, airing every Tuesday at 6 p.m. Central. Do you have questions about Linux or tech? Enjoy hearing others speak tech? Well, this is the podcast for you. You can listen to previous episodes at AskNoahShow.com. That's AskNoahShow.com. Join the Ask Noah Show community by adding their Telegram group or participating in the interactive online community chat. Ask Noah also brings you Speed Technologies. Wherever you are in the U.S., give them a call or click today to learn how Speed can take your business IT infrastructure to the next level. Tune in on demand at asknoahshow.com or listen live every Tuesday at 6 p.m. Central Time. This is Just a Minute with Stacey Washington. Encourage means to give support, confidence, or hope to someone. That is one of the chief aims of the Stacey on the Right Show. One might think that a political opinion program should loudly rail against the machine. But it was 1 Thessalonians 5.11 that launched the Daily Encouragement segment. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up just as you are doing. Or Joshua 1.9, which says, Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. God's word is encouraging. I'm Stacy Washington. Find out more at StacyOnTheRight.com. Welcome back to Stacy on the Right. Hey there. Welcome back to the show. Uh, we are just so glad. Now, look, if you're watching the live stream, you might be looking down below where it says Stacy on the Right. 
If you have a business that you'd like to have sponsor this program, you need only send an email to me at Stacy at StacyOnTheRight.com and your business logo or your phone number or anything you like um, can appear down there and our advertising rates are really reasonable because we're just getting started. So people who get in early will kind of be the beneficiaries of the extra low pricing in the beginning um, for really what is going to be a fantastic offering. We're doing a great podcast and we will shortly be back with our regular format with guests and uh, little audio bits that we'll play during the show. And then provided we are you know, doing well income wise, then we will be moving forward with the second hour as we had before. Um, so that's just, well, why do I need, uh, so why do I need commercial time on a platform like this? So we still have affiliates. So I have a question on the Facebook feed. Randall, we still have affiliates who are using the original clock that we originally had with the show. Um, so as long as we have the terrestrial affiliates, we have the the clock. And that's also something we're going to be working on, um, which is going to be something different in there. But uh, again, commercial time, I guess what I should say to that, and you, if you couldn't hear the commercials during that time, oh, we're working on that as well. So again... I'm going to need to have commercials and have sponsors because I'm no longer employed by American Family Radio. So if I'm no longer employed, I have to have commercials, which are sponsorship dollars, which means that's how I will be getting paid because, you know, live radio people, I don't want to do it for free. So um, that's what the Patreon account is about. Stacy on the right on Patreon or Patreon, however people are pronouncing it. And also uh, the, you know, uh, obviously, refilling the tea, as Richard Layton said. So, no, and no offense to people who are asking, but I'm just telling you guys the answer. Um, and then, as far as the latency on Facebook, it is. It's it's actually really latent, and it's not on our end. We have a good stream going on. We're using an organization that actually restreams for us, so we're using powerful computers to stream. If you the Facebook isn't good, you can go to YouTube. And if the YouTube isn't good, obviously my preference is for you to watch it over at StacyOnTheRight.com, which also has a really good stream. So hey to everybody who's watching on live stream and hey to all the podcast listeners who are catching this today later on in the afternoon at your on-demand type thing. Share the show, tweet about it. We really appreciate you. So now I want to get to um, Obama's DHS secretary, Democrats wanting open borders. And so this, this is kind of interesting because Jay Johnson is a liberal. The guy is not, he's not sitting around going, you know what? Um, I really love, you know, I, I, I love Trump. He doesn't love Trump. He doesn't love um, anything having to do with conservatives, but he apparently does care a great deal about this country. And what he really wants is to have an opportunity to not, you know, not see the country torn down, which is what having an open border down there is doing. So he has a quote. He says, you know, it, it's unworkable, it's unwise, and does not have the support of the majority of the American people, nor of Congress. Now, if you've never seen Jay Johnson, he happens to be of the permanent tan, and he's a former DHS secretary from Barack Obama's administration. He's talking specifically about Julian Castro, uh, who is one of the, you know, 5,000 candidates for the presidency over on the D side. And Castro has proposed to decriminalize illegal border crossings, essentially advocating for open borders. Now, the quote from Jay Johnson is, and he's speaking actually to the Washington Post here. He says, that's tantamount to declaring publicly that we have open borders. It's unworkable, unwise, and does not have the support of a majority of American people or the Congress. And if we had such a policy, instead of 100,000 apprehensions a month, it would be multiples of that. So he's saying we'd have literally an invasion at the southern border, which I've been saying we already have that. Now, other 2020 candidates, including Senators Elizabeth Warren, Kirsten Gillibrand, Kamala Harris, as well as South Bend Mayor Pete, they've all embraced the proposal as well, which means they're actually outside of what Americans will vote for. Now, I don't know how Democrats are going to step into the polling box or the, you know, the booth or step up to their little, uh, you know, electronic voting machines and pull the lever for someone who says they literally want to open the southern border of the United States. Eight of the more than 20 candidates have actually expressed not just general support or some support, but explicit support for open borders. Senator Cory Booker actually said he would virtually eliminate immigration detention if he were elected. 
Notice his poll numbers are so minuscule. He's not even in the top running anymore. Uh, So the crisis at the southern border has actually gotten to a place where we have the highest one month total in 13 years. In May, we took in more than 144,000 illegal aliens. Now, numbers of immigrants who are seeking asylum in the United States actually dipped in June, but it doesn't mean that we're out of the, the crisis. We've got to have a policy that respects America's sovereignty and gets these people to stop coming here for something they think they're going to be able to receive that actually isn't available to them. It, it is not available to them to come here and become American citizens um, simply by virtue of the fact that they're dragging somebody else's child here. And that should be something that everyone is, is against. Um, so turning to Iran, Secretary of State Pompeo made some statements about Iran never, well, they shouldn't have been able to enrich uranium in the first place. And I, and, and I have to say, oh my goodness, he's right. Why were we allowing them to enrich uranium in the first place? And this is where President Trump always talks about bad deals, where previous presidents have made bad deals. Previous administrations have been weak, and that's why we're in the place where we are now. And there's no issue that better demonstrates this besides the southern border. I say the southern border is issue number one. Issue number two uh, that supports his thesis that bad deals have been made repeatedly is our relationship with Iran and their ability to enrich uranium at all. So on Monday, Iran exceeded the amount of low enriched uranium that's permitted under the 2015 nuclear deal. Now, admittedly, President Trump dismantled that deal, but instead of them trying to do something to get back in President Trump's good graces, they're now actively on a path that kind of points to me like they want to be at war with us. Uh, Secretary of State Pompeo is underscoring key criticisms of the agreement including the fact that the agreement allowed the regime in Tehran to continue enriching uranium in the first place. Now, Pompeo alluded to the fact that the Obama administration and its negotiating partners caved in on a position the UN Security Council had maintained for almost a decade. He also suggested that any new agreement acceptable to the Trump administration would not allow Iran domestic enrichment capacity. So he goes back in history pointing back to 2006, where the UN Security Council passed six resolutions requiring the regime to suspend all enrichment and reprocessing activity. It was the right standard back then, and it's the right standard now. New White House Press Secretary Stephanie Grisham also agrees with what Pompeo is saying. The quote from her is that it's a mistake under the Iran nuclear deal to allow them to enrich uranium at any level. We have to restore the longstanding nonproliferation standard of no enrichment for Iran. Now, it's the International Atomic Energy Agency, which confirmed on Monday that Iran, in line with the plan that the regime first announced back in May, has passed the 300 kilogram limit set in the Joint Comprehensive Plan of Action, or JCPOA, for its stockpile of enrichment, which is actually enriched to a level of 3.67% if you're, if you're aware of what all that has to do. Uh, so it, again, we're at a place where the president's hand has been forced by a bad deal made by Obama. And Obama didn't have to make this deal. But remember, he was the bower and scraper. He loved bowing and scraping to Iran. He, he really loved going to the Middle East and showing them the top of his head. And when he would do that, uh, it, would, it, it would empower our enemies. They would feel like, look, we've got the president of the United States bowing down to us. And so they would act as if they then had more leverage than they really had. And this is the same thing we've seen with Mexico back when they were before President Trump actually put the screws to them and told them, look, if if you don't, (laughs) this is so funny. He he told them, look, if you if you don't do something about the border, um, we're going to put some tariffs on you. And all of a sudden they found the wherewithal to do something about the border. Now, are they doing everything that I think they should do? No, not not even close. But they're doing more than they were doing. And, and in the big scheme of things, if we're going to believe in incrementalism and the benefits that can come from saying, I'll take this hill and this hill, uh, and then I'll, you know, I'll, I'll go for the next hill instead of saying I have to have everything all at once and never getting anything, then yes, it's a success. So we go from someone who bowed and scraped to someone who literally will squeeze your hand so hard you feel like fainting and liberals are upset by that. 
I don't know about you, but I think it's awesome that the president of the United States said last week, we have big, beautiful tanks and we should show those off. And so he brought some tanks out. He brought out some, you know, amazing flyovers. And he said, let's let's get this thing on. Let's show people what America is really made of. Uh, He's also said, I don't like bad deals. Um, This deal with Iran is a bad deal. We're out of it. He said, you know what? Look at this deal we made with the Paris Climate Accords. This is a deal that would transfer $60 trillion of American wealth to foreign countries who haven't earned anything. So I guess I'm going to go ahead and pull out of this deal. And the reason the liberals are screaming about it is because all of these deals, if you take the sum total of all of this nonsense and you lay it out in front of yourself and assess all of it, you understand that they're trying to destroy this country. They're trying to put us under the boot of Iranians and Mexicans and anybody else who has a boot they want to put on us. Trump is saying, not only will you not put your boot on us, but how about you take a look at these tanks? And oh, do you hear the sound of those jet engines? That's freedom you're hearing right there. Do you see the, you know, the, the, the excitement of Americans when they see their jets flying overhead, the jets their tax dollars pay for? That's what you're going to be dealing with if you try to come at us. And oh, by the way, do you smell that JP8? That's the smell of freedom. So why don't you get some of that or back off? That is what is being said here. That is what the president is trying to get across. And so if if there's ever um, a big, I don't know, if you're trying to understand it, let me put it that way. If, If people are trying to understand what the president is doing, the best way to do that is to kind of first reorient yourself. If you're liberal and you're thinking, I just don't get what he's doing, take a step back for a second and think about how you defend your own family. And and maybe as a liberal, you don't feel very defensive of your family, but I don't believe that because I know plenty of people who are liberals, Democrats, progressives, but when you start talking about their kids, their demeanor changes. All of a sudden, they've got something that they want to prove They want their kid to be the best. They want their family to be well thought of, and they don't want anyone harming them. That's the reason why a lot of Democrats own firearms, because they want to be able to defend themselves. So I I don't buy into this idea that Democrats are somehow immune to the feeling of wanting to protect themselves and to defend something that they love, like their family. Now, you just need only to just stop for a second and tamp down on the Trump derangement syndrome and expand that feeling towards the entire country. And if you believe in the brotherhood of nations, the brotherhood of citizens, of people who live in the same country and pay taxes to the same government and are part owners in the same military and are really, we all have the same experiences here as Americans. Yes, they're varied in a lot of ways, but the majority of our experiences are the same. We share more than we have indifference. Then you know for a fact that it is a benefit to us to have a president who will put our military might out there. And as we celebrate the birthday of our country, he says, you know what? Get some of this. Get some of that. You know, see those jets flying overhead? They could be flying over your head. You know, <laughs> don't don't act like you don't understand. Those jets could be flying over your country. That was the message there. If you don't understand it, I, I'll, I'll put it for you another way. We are not afraid to defend ourselves. We're not afraid to show off a little bit of military might. Go on YouTube and check out all the videos that are homemade videos of people who anytime an aircraft tanker is anywhere near the United States, they send a drone out or they go out in a helicopter and they fly over it and they take video of these you know, aircraft destroyers and, and you know, these warships. And they do that because they want to have a piece of what really it's theirs anyway. All of these things, again, they belong to us. These are our fighter jets. Those are our pilots. They're Americans. The, those warships are ours. That's why you're working the first four months of every year, not just for Planned Parenthood, not just for the pork and the, the you know, waste and fraud and abuse, but you're working for those tankers and those jets and those crew chiefs, the guys who are on the flight deck making the little, they're making a V with their hand and they're waving those aircraft onto the flight deck. All over the country, we have Air Force bases with those same crew chiefs and they're down on one knee and they're saluting that pilot because that's their partner and that jet is their aircraft that they're maintaining and they're bringing those guys in and they're waving them up and they're keeping those aircraft operational for you and for me. 
And I, I just, I'm actually ready for millennials. I'm ready for a lot of these people who they're, they're so upset. They're screaming at the sun and they're putting on face masks and they're beating up anybody they can come into contact with. I'm ready for them to just take a breather, maybe gla- grab a glass of good old fresh tap water, American water, and sip it and understand what happened last week on July the 4th. That was all your stuff the president showed off. He wants you to be happy about being a part of this country and to appreciate what you're paying for. That's what that was. We'll be back right after this. This is Just a Minute with Stacey Washington. Emily Ratajkowski and other Hollywood elites are now admitting that black women have much higher abortion rates than every other demographic. Instead of admitting that Planned Parenthood targets society's weeds, which is white supremacist code for black people, for extermination within the tradition of its founder, Margaret Sanger, famous abortion defenders are making this spurious claim. Peddling the lie that the babies who have been aborted are future criminals makes their death a public service. This means that white liberals believe 40% of black babies will grow up to be criminals. Never mind that this is a completely racist statement that defies all logic. The methodology behind this has been soundly debunked. Never mind that analysis by John R. Lott and John E. Whitley show abortion actually increases crime. No matter what, Democrats just continue to lie and kill the babies for money. I'm Stacey Washington. Find out more at StaceyOnTheRight.com. Stacy on the Right is brought to you by the Ask Noah Show, airing every Tuesday at 6 p.m. Central. Do you have questions about Linux or tech? Enjoy hearing others speak tech? Well, this is the podcast for you. You can listen to previous episodes at asknoahshow.com. That's asknoahshow.com. Join the Ask Noah Show community by adding their Telegram group or participating in the interactive online community chat. Ask Noah also brings you Speed Technologies. Wherever you are in the U.S., give them a call or click today to learn how Speed can take your business IT infrastructure to the next level. Tune in on demand at asknoahshow.com or listen live every Tuesday at 6 p.m. Central Time. This is Just a Minute with Stacey Washington. Bet you didn't know that cheesy rice cauliflower you're eating for lunch is racist, but it is, according to Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. And yet another mind-blowing trip into the banalities of her intellect, AOC is found wandering through a community garden, lamenting the produce grown there because white colonialism or something. Yes, my friends, lurking amongst the flora, if there is cauliflower present, are the seeds of colonial environmentalism. Instead of encouraging blacks to grow veg they're familiar with, like yucca plants, oppressors offer cauliflower, which is white, which means it's bad. You got to admit that AOC has skills. This woman can twist a delicious vegetable into a symbol of dastardly colonial oppression. Of course, I'm already planning a colonial cauliflower mac and cheese for our next Sunday brunch at home. My family will love it. I'm Stacey Washington. Find out more at StaceyOnTheRight.com. Welcome back to Stacy on the Right. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. Um, and so I was mentioning a little bit earlier, the learning curve on this whole thing has just been so amazing. Um, and, and I'm saying that from the perspective of someone that I'm, I'm not exactly like I'm not a computer guru, but I definitely know my way around, you know, computers and desktops and, and uh, just lots of, lots of different things. I've done a couple of little simple websites. And so I know my way around, but I've learned so much from Noah over these past few, like just it's literally been a couple of weeks and I've learned a ton and I'm still learning. And I think one of the things that uh, we, we, I think what we figured out about the sound has something to do with the way that I have everything run because we were trying to kind of basically, you know, literally contract termination, one week off to kind of figure out what to do. And during that week, we were setting this up. And then we launched the podcast on the Monday after. So one week off. And then now we're kind of working the bugs and the kinks out. And we think we figured it out. So tomorrow we should have something even more interesting going on here that's going to be much closer to what you're used to. 
but please work with us. And I know it's kind of like we're halfway between a podcast and a broadcast because we're, we're, we're doing, like I said, we have these little commercial breaks and all of that. And we're going to figure that out so that it's much more streamlined and that it works for the program. So just stick around. Um, don't, don't please, please, you know, work with us here. And then also, I just want to give one more shout out to everyone who has partnered with us through Patreon. If you're one of my Patreon partners, you're fantastic. Thank you. And also for people who've gone to the PayPal link and for people who've mailed something over to us at the uh, the mailbox, that's been fantastic. And we are just so grateful for that. I can't tell you how strong the attacks have been from the enemy. So I'm not talking about people emailing me. I've actually had very little of that. I just had a couple of emails of people gloating about me not being on AFR anymore. Um, but those were just compared to what I got. It's basically not even 1% compared to the emails where people are like, where are you and what happened and where can I find you? So I, I can't complain about those two. But the attacks are like, it's a mental thing where you're doing something new and the voice you hear is you're not supposed to be doing this. Otherwise, you'd still be at AFR. You shouldn't be doing this. Otherwise, you would still be there. So we're actually going to do a show um, where I spend a segment or two talking about what to do when you get the boot or what to do when you're told to go. What it, I, I'm not sure exactly what we're going to title it, but it has to do with some of the things that I realized over, just over this past couple of weeks. It's been a huge learning curve for me personally to say, I'm moving forward with this and I'm not giving up. And then to see how internally it has been such a struggle, a battle to keep going. So um, that's, that's all going on behind the scenes. And, you know, I don't, I, I'm not telling you that because I want you to feel bad about it. I'm telling you that because there has to be someone else. I mean, in a, in a country like ours where so many different, uh, you know, there's so many different jobs, so many different situations. There's someone out there who's just like me, who's just recently been made um, kind of unemployed, sort of in a way. And they're going through this too. And so I want you to not give up. I want you to hear what I'm saying, that you will hear you're not supposed to do that or you weren't good enough or the reason they let you go is blah. And I keep, all these reasons keep flooding in and, and it's in the, the, you know, I'm washing dishes or I'm loading the dishwasher or I'm cooking or I'm just sitting, just taking a couple of minutes off. And then that's when I start hearing this voice. Do you know why they let you go? Because this. And I'm like, oh, that's probably it. no. No, it's not. It's not actually it at all. But but that's the kind of stuff that if you get stuff thinking stuck thinking about why they said we're terminating your contract, then I won't be able to sit here before you and do a show. So I can't get stuck doing that. And if you're in the same situation and you're hearing that, forget it. It doesn't matter why they terminated your contract or whatever they did. What matters is what you're going to do. Don't give up. Do it. Instead of thinking about that, Put it out of your mind and just do it. And you'll see, you just keep putting one foot in front of the other and you'll get further and further away from that moment. And that's what I'm wanting to do. More than anything, I just want to get further and further away from June 21st and that phone call. And I don't want to get further away from it and be thinking, wow, maybe I should have launched a podcast or maybe I shouldn't have given up. Mm -mm, I, I can't have that going on. That's why we're still going. Uh, so now, Epstein, Jeffrey Epstein. Now, first off, I want to know what planet you've been on if you didn't already know that this man was a disgusting pervert and practitioner of like he's he's almost like a pimp. And now we know he's a sex trafficker and that minority girls were or minor aged girls were involved. Um, and this has been something that's been alleged about him for so long. Like, ha have you not seen all of the connections that they called his private plane, the Lolita Express, um, the Lolita Express, right? <laughs> now, this was almost a joke, right? That, that people wrote on the plane. So first off, before the haters start emailing, I am aware that President Trump 20 years ago was friends with this man and apparently wrote on the plane. But did you know, are you aware that President Trump had Jeffrey Epstein down to Mar-a-Lago? And while Jeffrey Epstein was at Mar-a-Lago, the club, this was like in the 90s, <laughs> he sexually assaulted an underage girl at Mar-a-Lago. And when Trump found out about it, he banned him from Mar-a-Lago and ended their friendship. 
he was not going to be any more involved with this man. So let me just tell you something. Bill Clinton knew about that sex assault and he didn't end his friendship with him. So for everybody out there who keeps saying how horrible Donald Trump is, why aren't you saying that Bill Clinton is horrible because he remained friends with this man, even though he knew he had sexually assaulted someone. And, and that's the main reason why I don't care what Donald Trump said on the hot mic. It's one thing to talk about doing something and brag about something that you may be allowed to do because you're rich. It's another thing to be Jeffrey Epstein and actually do things. And that's the big difference here that I think it deserves pointing out. Liberals actually don't care what you do. They just care what you say. So if you virtue signal and you talk like a good liberal, you can sexually assault anybody you want. Look how long they put up with Harvey Weinstein. And that should be your answer. If, you, if you're next to the water cooler or the coffee machine or the Keurig at work and people start talking about, well, Donald Trump said so-and-so on a tape, the Access Hollywood tape. Yeah, well, Bill Clinton actually sexually assaulted women. Bill Clinton and Jeffrey Epstein actually rode on the Lolita Express and went out to the island and did whatever it is they did out there. Hillary Clinton wrote on the Lolita Express. I mean, even if you say you write Bill Clinton off because you've always known he was a sexual deviant and a pervert and a sexual assaulter and you just are never, ever going to have anything else to do with Bill Clinton. How does Hillary Clinton ride on a plane that's nicknamed the Lolita Express? How do you, you know, justify Joe Biden squeezing the shoulders of 12 and 13 year old girls and standing behind them and massaging their shoulders while their parents look on and uncomfortably instead of the parents putting him down on the ground. I'm telling you, boy, it has been some really lucky interactions he's had because he's never run up against a parent who, if his hands were on the child's shoulder and the parent said, excuse me, Mr. Vice President, um, can I, can, I need to, I need to bring her over by me or what I would have done is there wouldn't have been any talking. I just would have moved my child over in front of me. And then if he said, oh, no, I want to stand next to her, I would have said, no, you're going to stand next to me and we're not going to be touching. Uh, OK, I mean, I don't I don't understand how that went off all those times, all these videos. If you don't believe me, go to YouTube and put in Joe Biden shoulders, Joe Biden touching, Joe Biden sniffing. I mean, you can just type his name in and videos just come up for days and you can watch all these videos of him touching people. And, and I don't know what else went on. I don't care. How do you excuse that? But, you know, Donald Trump said something nasty once on a video. Oh, is that is that the world you're living in where everybody is so pristine and clean that they've never said anything bad um, when they didn't know anybody else was listening? Because if that's how you're living, I commend you. Uh, you know, tribute to you for for just being in that rarefied atmosphere where the rest of us only, you know, we only dream of living there. Uh, never said anything bad or untoward, never said anything that you wouldn't want on a hot mic. Come on, I, I, my hat is off to you. But again, it's not that, is it? What it is, is that liberals are fine with you doing almost anything as long as you say the right things. As long as you're like, well, there are 9,400 genders. They're like, yeah, mm-hmm. I'm, I, I'm a sex trafficker. We don't, we don't want to hear about that. As long as you believe about the genders, we're good. Right? That, that, is, <laughs> that is what is going on here. They literally are like, you know, whatever you do doesn't matter. But what you say, oh, because, you know, Harvey Weinstein, the reason he was allowed to run that disgusting hotel thing and the, the, uh, the casting couch and all that, you know why he was able to do that? Because he gave money to the right politicians. Because he made movies about things that degrade popular culture. And, and while we're on the subject, last few minutes of the show, how many of you in the audience have ever heard of something called VidAngel? So I'd heard of it a few years back, and I'd actually said I was going to sign up for it. And then I heard that they'd gone into bankruptcy, and there was probably something wrong. And then, then I recently discovered it again, and we signed up for it. And, you know, you get the free trial for like, I think it's a week or a month or whatever. I, I don't know. But what it does is VidAngel takes, like, let's say you go to Walmart and you buy a video. They go and buy the video. And then what they do is they watch every frame, not every second, but every frame. And they categorize every frame of the video, the movie, 
into the categories that they have for their filters. And what you can do is you can select in, once you sign up for VidAngel, you can select in your filters and you can say, I don't want to see any, anyone, t- I don't want to hear anybody take the Lord's name in vain. I don't want to hear any profanity. I don't want to hear any sexual innuendo. Or maybe you want to leave the innuendo and you don't want to see anyone kissing or you don't want to see any sexual scenes or you don't want to see any nudity or immodesty at all. So work with me here, right? Um, what, what they do is they actually go through they categorize everything and then you can select your filters for everything for your whole account. And then when you click on a movie, that's why every movie is not available because they have to be able to get the movie on DVD and do this categorization so you can select what you want to see. Then it shows you two blocks on the screen. One block is what you have, what the movie is. And the other block is what the movie will be for you and how many minutes long it will be with your selections. Now, if you take the all of the filters, you're, you're going to cut out a lot of the movie. And I actually went through and did a movie. I won't say which one it was. I didn't end up watching it because so much of the movie was profanity, sexual innuendo, nudity, and um, what do they call it? It's risque situations, but it's, um, it's, it's vulgarity, but they call it something else. Um, so much of it was that, that basically the movie didn't make any sense because every other word out of the two actresses who starred in the movie, every other word out of their mouth was the F-bomb or some other profanity. So the movie just didn't make any sense. I watched about five minutes and I was like, well, I either want to hear profanity or I don't want to watch this movie because of that's how it's made. So the lawsuit and the judgment against them, the most recent one, is for $65 million. Disney was suing them for about $135 million. Because they won't give VidAngel a license to do the work that they do so we can watch movies without profanity and without sexual scenes. Now, again, listen. (laughs) Disney, a family company that makes cartoons and runs theme parks for families and kids, won't give a license to VidAngel to cut the nastiness out of movies that were made by pedophiles and sex traffickers like Harvey Weinstein, he, he, well, he was a sexual predator himself. He didn't traffic people. He just was sexual predator himself. But do you see what I'm saying to you? Disney's a corporation will not allow a license to VidAngel so they can clean up the garbage that Disney makes. They actually are saying to you and me as consumers, you either take the profanity and the disgusting, it also has filters for violence and gore, You know, I grew up in a military household where my dad put his service revolver on the dining room table every night. I've seen every, you know, my dad calls them killing movies. I've seen all those movies from the time I was like 10 years old and up because that's, you know, my dad just didn't feel like violence was something that you run away from because he went to war and he taught me and my sister that this is what war is and he never wanted us to shy away from it. But a lot of people are much more sensitive about violence in movies and you certainly should shield your children from it. But what I'm saying is that Depending on what your thing is, what you don't want to see violence, you don't want to see, you don't have an option to get rid of that stuff unless you're subscribed to VidAngel. And Disney is saying, you can't get away from our gore, our sexual innuendo, our profanity. You can't get away from our smut and our pornography and our garbage. We want you to see it. And we're never going to let you see it without, with, with our permission. Just let that marinate on you for a second while the Me Too movement tells you how much they care about women and children. All right, we'll be back tomorrow. God bless.